chapter 17 tonight. Let's meet there, Acts chapter 17 uh, this evening. What I wanted to uh, talk to you about was something that we didn't get in the uh, bulletin today uh, because they had already uh, been printed before we uh, got everything nailed down for it. But on December the 19th, is that correct, Brother Tyler? Tuesday, December the 19th, um, we are going to, um, we're going to do another liberal love project. Uh, this one will be at the high school, and uh, we are, I say we, um, like I've got somebody in my pocket, um, I am not doing it, um, but our church is going to be wrapping gifts for the school district, and uh, we'll do it all day long. And um, so we need a lot of help, okay? Preferably ladies uh, who could help us. If you can sign up for a, a, a slot, uh, there's a sign-up sheet somewhere. It's a nice one. It's a pretty one. Brother Mike designed it and everything. Um, it's, it's around here somewhere. I hope somebody, I had it right here. Aha, looky here. Right there. Exactly where I put it. Imagine that. Um, December 19th, we need you. The, the wrapping will begin at 7 in the morning, and we'll go to 3. Is that right, Brother Tyler? Yes. 3 in the afternoon. And so there are a number of time slots that you can sign up for. And so, ladies, if you can help us with that, that would be a huge, huge blessing. And then don't forget about the... Uh, the red kettle and, and uh, ring the bell for the Salvation Army. Um, we're trying to get some folks from our church uh, to sign up for that and be a part of that. And uh, the sign-up sheet is out there at the Resource Center. It doesn't look like anybody has rushed to get there yet, but uh, hopefully they will. And we can be a blessing to our community in that way as well. And uh, that's really what uh, uh, this theme for two years has been, liberal love. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to hang some new banners and some new things this year uh, with our new theme for the year. And we're very excited about that. Um, but we're not through with this. Um, as we've tried to, uh, been telling you over the course of the last two years, we want this to become part of our church DNA. This is just who we are. It's what we do. And uh, so I hope that, uh, that you'll get behind uh, those two opportunities to... Uh, express our love uh, for our community. For those who may just be joining us tonight, um, we have been for a long time now, this is actually message number 38 in the book of Acts. We're studying uh, the book of Acts, the first century church, uh, under this title, Church Life. And here's what we're finding, that there are a lot of things that they did in the first century church that still work in the 21st century church. I'm telling you, you study the book of Acts and, and what, uh, what the Lord was able to do there, did some amazing things, and really they just did the basics. They loved people and they preached the gospel. And it's amazing what God did through those two very simple approaches to ministry. Love people, preach the gospel. And uh, God did some amazing things. I want you to join me tonight in verse 10. That's where I'll be in reading, Acts chapter 17 and verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. 
who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. Also of honorable women, which were Greeks and men, not a few. In other words, they reached a lot of people, and some of them were notable people in the community of Berea. But when the Jews of Thessalonica, what Jews are they talking about? They're talking about the Jews, if you'll go back up to verse 8, that troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Remember last week we preached on turning our city right side up. And there was uh, Paul and Silas uh, went into Thessalonica. They spent three weeks in the synagogue teaching the scriptures and, and preaching the word of God. And there were a group of Thessalonians who didn't like that. They didn't like what success the disciples were experiencing. They didn't like the fact that many were turning away from, from mere religion uh, to the truth, to reality, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there were many, many people turning in faith to Jesus Christ and being saved. And, and that was happening all over the place. And, and there was a, a group of folks who got stirred up about that. And so uh, they brought uh, persecution or tried to bring persecution against uh, Paul and Silas. And, and they made this accusation. These men who have turned the world upside down with their doctrine, now they're in our city. And we don't like it. And we don't want them here. And so here they are. They're now 40 to 50 miles south of Thessalonica in the city of Berea. And those same Jews, when they found out that Paul and Silas were in Berea preaching the word of God, it says they came thither also and stirred up the people. Just a little side note here. I put a note in my Bible. It's amazing how far some people will go just to stir up things. And I tell you, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the spirit of unity and the bond of peace that exists in Fellowship Baptist Church because that's not true in every church. And there are some churches that people, that's just what they think their spiritual gift is, to stir things up all the time. I'm thankful for you and for your spirit of love and, and, again, the spirit of fellowship and the bond of peace that exists here and the, the unity, not necessarily uh, uh, unanimity. We're not all the same, but even in our differences, our different personalities and, and uh, many other differences that exist here, we're in unity. And we understand what our goal is. We understand what our purpose is. We, we have the same vision, and, and that's a blessing. And, and again, some churches, they don't get to enjoy that kind of thing. Some pastors don't get to enjoy the spirit and the environment here that, that, uh, that I get to enjoy. Uh, 
Because they're always having to deal with issues, always have to deal with problems. There's always a brother over here or a sister over here. She just stirring the pot all the time. Uh, that's what these folks were like. That didn't, add, that didn't cost you anything extra tonight. Verse 14, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Pastor David Platt wrote a book a few years ago uh, titled Radical, Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. I've read part of that book. I haven't read it all. But in one part of that book, he talks about a time when he was invited to teach the Bible in an underground house church in China. And on their first day together, it was him and about 20 Chinese church leaders. These men were all farmers who, had, who were also leading uh, secret house churches and so there was 20 of them and and then himself and he said they met at about two o'clock in the afternoon for what he thought was, was going to be just a short bible study and eight hours later they were still going strong he said they would ask him a question about a certain passage and he would answer and then they would ask him another question about another passage and he would answer and he said this went on and on and on for eight straight hours following their study they asked him if they could meet again the next day he said that would be fine and suggested that they start at the same time that they start at two o'clock in the afternoon and and they asked him if they minded if they started in the morning. And he said that would be fine. And when he asked them how long they wanted to study, they said all day. And so for the next 10 days, he met with those secret house church leaders for 8 to 10 hours to study the Bible. Two days into it, he said he introduced them to the book of Nehemiah. And they asked him if they could study the whole Old Testament. And so on the next to the last day, they finished up the book of Malachi. He knew he only had one more day to go, and he wasn't really sure where to go from there, and so he met with them, and he just started teaching on some random subject when, when he was interrupted by one of the leaders who said, we have a problem. Now, when you're in China, and you're meeting secretly, and somebody raises their hand and says, we have a problem, that could be a problem. But here was their problem. He said, you've taught us the Old Testament, but you've not taught us the New Testament. We would like to learn the New Testament today. <laughs> and all of the others nodded in agreement. So for the next 11 hours, he took them from the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation. 
in his book, in this same chapter, he described another setting in which they had one of their regular three-hour worship services. I said three-hour worship services. As in not this little hour thing that we do on Sunday. Three-hour, that was regular, that was routine, that was normal. A three-hour worship service. So he was there with about 60 Chinese believers who secretly made their way there through the streets and back alleys into this little small room, he said, where, where they sat on the floor. The only light they had came from a, a single bulb that was dangling from the ceiling. No sound system, no entertainment, no air conditioning, no chairs. And Platt writes this, nothing but the people of God and the Word of God. And strangely, that's enough. God's Word is enough for millions of believers who gather in house churches just like this one. His Word is enough for millions of other believers who huddle in African jungles, South American rainforests, and Middle Eastern cities. But then he closed his statement with this question, but is his word enough for us? Is his word enough for us? Think about that. Think about this. Is the word of God Enough for me. What if there were no K Cafe? What if there was no nursery? What if there was no brightly colored and decorated children's area? What if there was no music? Not any good music, no music. What if there were no chairs? Not any padded chairs, not any chairs, period. Would the Word of God be enough? What if on your first visit to Fellowship Baptist Church, you walked into this building just like that? No nursery, no K-Cafe, no lattes, or whatever else they sell back there. No nursery, no really, really, really cool kids area, no music, no chairs, just the preaching of the word would you have come back would the word of God have been enough 
it was enough for the believers in China. And it appears to have been enough for these believers in Berea. Under cover of night, Paul and Silas escaped the city of Thessalonica and they made the 50-mile, three-day journey to this place called Berea. And as we have read many times in our study of the book of Acts, when they got there, they made a beeline for the synagogue where they met with a group of Jews who were more noble, Luke says, than those in Thessalonica. The word noble there means exactly what you would think it would mean. It literally means high-born. These Jews in Berea were a different class than those in Thessalonica. They lived on the other side of the tracks, you might say. And while superficially that may have been what set them apart from their neighbors to the north, there was something more spiritual at play here. Note that Luke goes on to say there in verse 11, these were no, more noble than those in Thessalonica. And then note those next two words, in that. Indicating that this, what he says next, were the things that made them special. Not that they were more high-born, not that they were richer, not that they were more well-off. That wasn't really what separated them from the believers in Thessalonica. What really separated them from those believers in Thessalonica was this. They loved the Word of God. And it's these things that I want you to consider with me briefly tonight. I say briefly, we probably ought to be here at least three hours. Can I get an amen there? Ah, yeah, I knew there'd be somebody. It may just be us. And really, if you're serious about it, you'll call into work tomorrow and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to come in. Our, our pastor's starting a, a study for the next 10 days on the Old Testament, and we're going to meet at church for 10 hours for the next 10 days to study the Word of God. That probably wouldn't go over well either. It's pretty humbling though, isn't it? When you think about it, it's pretty humbling how precious this book really is to some people around the world. We take it so much for granted, do we not? Absolutely. I'm guessing that between Katie and I, we probably have close to two dozen Bibles around the house, in our cars, in my office. I've, I've got several thousand dollars of, of books all over my office. They're supposed to be on shelves, but they're all over my office. That doesn't count the resources that I have on my computer. It doesn't count the Bible I have on my iPad. It doesn't count the Bible I have on my, on my phone. And I'm guessing that in many of your homes, it's the same way. 
at least when it comes to the availability of the Word of God. Church, are we blessed or what? Absolutely. And then on top of that, listen, on top of that, we get to come to a place like this. It's awesome. Several times during the week, without fear of reprisal from the government, you didn't have to sneak around to get here tonight. You may have had to speed a little bit. But you didn't have to sneak around to get here tonight. You just drove right up here. The lights are on. The lights are on out there. Listen, people know that this is a church. We're blessed. But I wonder if all of our exposure to the Word has not made us a bit indifferent to it i wonder sometimes if coming to church to hear preaching doesn't become just a bit routine i know i can be guilty sometimes of taking the word of god for granted but such was not the case with these jews in berea I find their attitude toward the word and, and what it had to say, I, I find it something challenging tonight. There are four things about the Bereans that ought to challenge us this evening. Number one, they received the word readily. Number two, they examined the word carefully. Number three, they studied the word daily. And number four, they applied the word personally. So let's, let's break that down a little bit tonight. Luke says that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Keep your place there in Acts chapter 17 and turn over to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's do a little word study here real quick. If you want to take some notes, write some notes in your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. Make a note out there uh, in, Acts, in Acts chapter 17. Just write 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Because here's what Paul says. For this cause, writing to the church at Thessalonica, that church that, he, uh, that was established there uh, in the short time that he had to minister there, those three weeks or so, and no doubt... Uh, others kept the work going it said for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us ye received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe now at first glance something that Paul said here seems a, a bit odd at least to me he said, when you received it, talking about the Word of God, you received it. Okay? When you received it, you received it. But there's, there's a great point that he's making here. And we understand the New Testament was written in Greek, and, 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 and many of us really don't understand Greek. That's why we use good study resources. But the first use of the word received there in verse 13 means simply to hear it with the ear. So draw your line out into the margin of your Bible and that first word received there and, and write to hear with the ear. But the second word 
means this. It means an inward welcome of the message or a transference from the mind to the heart. You see what Paul was saying there? He said, here's why we're so thankful for you. Because when we came there, you didn't just hear the word with your ear. You were able to transfer what you heard with your ear down to your heart. So the Thessalonians not only heard the word subjectively, they also heard the word objectively. Now back to the Bereans. They received the word in the same way in that they were able to make that transfer from the ear to the heart. You know why they did that? It's because they came to church, if you will, with the right mindset. They received the word, Paul said, with all readiness of mind. That means that there was a predisposition there. Listen to me tonight. These Bereans went to church ready. They were ready to listen. They were ready to learn. They were ready to accept and apply what God's Word had to say to them. They approached the the preaching and teaching and the opening of the Word of God with, with a zeal. They approached it with an eagerness about them. How many of you came to church tonight zealous and eager? Ready to listen. Ready to learn. How many of you came to church that way this morning? (laughs) When they had to have a meeting with Brother Sid, I don't don't know what they're selling back there in the K Cafe, but it's not near strong enough. The last two weeks, whatever it is, it's putting them to sleep, Brother Sid. You You need to beef that up a little bit. Keep these folks awake on Sunday morning. Brother Tyler's up here just beating. I mean, he just beat himself to death two weeks ago. He's up here. I don't want to be too indecent here, but he's up here almost ready to puke. Though you couldn't tell it. He was just, he was working hard trying to get everybody here and and trying to have a good song service. Did it again this morning. Then we come to the preaching. He's like, come on now. How many of you came to church this morning ready how many of you came to church Wednesday night ready? By the way, we had one saved on Wednesday night. Another one that came forward on Wednesday night is now in a Bible study with one of our ministry staff. Listen, Wednesday nights need to be as exciting and energetic and enthusiastic as Sunday night. And I told you that Wednesday night, I would really like to see us step it up on Wednesday night. Let's have church on Wednesday. Let's not just take up time. Let's have church. Listen, if we're going to get here, let's get here. Let's make it happen. How many of you came to church last Sunday? Zealous and eager. I know you came hungry. Because they ran out of a lot of stuff over there at the chili feed. But did you come that hungry for the word? Come on. Listen, I'm telling you, Brother Tyler, Paul had to love preaching to that kind of people. Mercy. I mean, they couldn't get enough of it. They were excited. You want, to be a, you want to be a help and a blessing to whoever it is that stands behind this pulpit? And by the way, let me just say this. We're glad you come. 
Because we understand whether it's me or Brother Tyler, Brother Mike, Brother Sid, Brother Paul, doesn't make any difference. Listen, we understand tonight. Look around. Look how many people are here on Sunday night. There were many other things you could be doing tonight. I get that. I, that's not lost on me. And I understand that. And we appreciate every time you come to church. But if you want to help those who are behind the pulpit, you say, man, I wish we'd get out of church earlier. I've told you this before. If I don't think you're getting it, I'm going to repeat it. And so what could be a 35-minute message turns into a 70-minute message. Because I don't think you're getting it. And so I have to say it over again. But if you'll say amen every now and then and nod your head and wave a hanky and throw something every now and then, say, preacher, we're with you. We got you, man. Listen, we'll be out of here in 65 minutes. <laughs> amen. You're too carried away. We just may stay here all day. Because that, that works in the other way, too. You get a preacher fired up, it's like saying sick him to a bulldog. But if you want to get the most out of your time here, come eager. Come ready. Come predisposed to let the word make its way into your head and into your heart. A couple of weeks ago, my, my boys and I went with my brother and Sid, and we met Dalton down at, at Norman, and we, were, we got to go to the OU West Virginia game. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was stoked. I was, like, I, I was like a kid going to Disneyland. Man, I was pumped. I was eager. I tried not to show it too much. I didn't want to act the fool. But, man, I was excited about being there. And TJ and Tyler were excited about being there. They mentioned a couple times, man, this is neat, Dad. I'm glad we got to do this. And it was awesome. We had a great time. And, and we were pumped, and we were anxious, and we were eager, and we were excited. And it's like, yeah, we're here. My brother, on the other hand, was different. My brother's always been different. <laughs> we can't go into all of that tonight. My brother's a season ticket holder. He goes to OU games all the time. It just, it just wasn't that big a deal to him. Another game. Like just, man, I wanted to go here, go there. He said, let's go to the seat. Well, no, no, time out. Said, let's go eat <laughs> and then he went to the seat amen one good thing about taking somebody who knows the way around they know how to get to the grub you with me and i was eager to be there but to my brother it was just no big deal it was another ou game he was there it's all right yeah it's good that's a great illustration of how some people come to church. Some people have been coming to church so many years, it's just, yeah, okay, we're here. It's good. And some people, man, they come excited. New believers, man, they, they, they don't know you're supposed to be bored in church. They don't, they don't know you're supposed to zone out when you come here. They don't know you're supposed to sleep. Bless your heart, some of you, they're teaching them. Stop, whoever you are. Or at least hide it a little bit. 
Now, I can go on a tirade right there, but I won't because we got a lot of ground to cover. But you understand what I'm saying tonight? That's a great illustration. Man, I don't get to go to that many OU games, so I was excited about being there. I was pumped, man. We're high-fiving. We're bumping knuckles. We were excited about being there. And my brother, because it, it's, it's just something he does all the time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're here. You know what? We ought to come to church like I went to that OU game. Excited. Anticipating what God's going to do. We've got to come with a sense of eagerness like the Bereans. Come ready to receive the word eagerly. And then the second thing that, that was noble about the Bereans is that they, excuse me, they examined the word carefully. Luke says that they searched the scriptures. To say they searched the scriptures is to say that they evaluated that is, they evaluated what Paul was saying. They examined Paul's words. The, the Greek word there for search speaks of a judicial investigation. It was a legal term that meant to put on trial. These noble Bereans carefully sifted through the evidence and they cross-examined what Paul had to say and concluded that the gospel that Paul proclaimed was the truth that was fulfilled, that was a fulfilled Old Testament promise. And by the way, anyone who honestly examines the scriptures will come to that same conclusion. We could say this about the Bereans. They questioned what Paul had to say. Oh, Pastor, what do you mean? They question this is this is the Apostle Paul. Who would dare question the Apostle Paul? Listen, Paul wasn't offended by that at all. As a matter of fact, he welcomed their questions. Okay, time out right here. Time out. These weren't silly, argumentative questions that only served to gender strife. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and 21, or 23 that, that we are to avoid, Bible teachers, Bible preachers are to avoid foolish and unlearned questions for that very reason because all they do is gender strife. Now listen, I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I don't have time and our ministry staff doesn't have time to argue with people about the Bible. We just don't have time for that. But if someone has an honest question, they're looking for an honest answer, we're all ears. Some of us, more ears than others. I apologize to my grandson, Huck, often. Because he looks like his papa. He looks like a Volkswagen going down the road with the doors open. I'm sorry that he got those ears. They're biggins. Sometimes I wish I had air. Maybe take away a little bit of this, but, and for those of you just noticing, don't let that bother you for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> when I say that the Bereans questioned what Paul had to say, I mean they did it in a way that indicated they wanted to know more. 
They were curious about what he was saying about Jesus from the Old Testament. Maybe it went something like this. So, so Paul, you're telling us that Messiah, Messiah had to be born in Jerusalem, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, where is that in the Old Testament? And maybe he took them over there to the book of Micah and chapter 5. Well, 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 Paul, we understand also that the Messiah, he had to die. Yeah, that's right, he had to die. Well, where is that? And, and maybe he would take him over to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, or maybe the book of Psalms in chapter 22. And so, uh, Paul, here's what we're really, really interested in the most, to be honest with you, because you're saying that the Messiah not only had to die, but that had, he had to rise again? Is that right? Has any man ever risen again after he died? And Paul would take him over there maybe to, the, to the Paul, David's writings over in the book of Psalms in chapter 16 and, and show them how that it was prophesied, how that the Messiah would rise again. And they would ask questions and Paul would give them answers and they would go home and then they would read those things for themselves and, and see if what they read in the Old Testament scrolls matched up to what Paul was saying. And listen, it did. Every time. Preachers who preach the Bible ought not be afraid of people's questions. I shouldn't lay awake at night wondering, boy, I hope they don't go home and study that for themselves. I'm going to be in trouble. No, 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 no. I should hope that you would do that. That's a noble thing to do. Because it proves you to be a student of the Bible, as you should be. Let's say I take my Tahoe into Lewis Motors tomorrow, and the mechanic tells me that the flux capacitor is broken and that I need a new coil compressor assembly to run my hydrometer. Yeah. Now, I don't know a lot about cars, but that just wouldn't sound right to me. So here's what I could do. I could go home and examine that. I could go home and search that a little bit. I could go home and Google that. And I did. I Googled flux capacitor. And here's what I found that the flux capacitor was the core component of Dr. Emmett Brown's time-traveling DeLorean in the Back to the Future movie. <laughs> so I was born at night, but not last night. And I may not be the brightest bulb on the tree, <laughs> somebody needs to take that boy out. Or I may be the brightest bulb on the tree. But I would know at that point that that guy was lying to me. Hey, here's my point, church. How do you know that I'm not lying to you? How do you know I'm telling you the truth when I get up here and preach? Well, you're the preacher. That doesn't mean a lot in some places. Just enough to get you in trouble. 
Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? Here's Paul, and he's teaching them the Bible, and he's talking about this Messiah that was supposed to be born of a virgin. Yeah, right, you get that? He said, born of a virgin. Duh. Flux capacitor. And so they go home, and they start looking, and wow, sure enough, right there in Isaiah. Isaiah wrote in chapter 7 and verse 14 that a virgin would conceive. And, and, and he's talking about how this Messiah, he's supposed to be a ruler, he's supposed to reign, he's supposed to be a king, he's supposed to be a lord, and Paul's talking about how he's going to die. I don't think that's right, is it? Isaiah chapter 53, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And, and, and what's this that, that David wrote in, 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 in Psalms? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Isn't that what Jesus said? Listen, I think Paul's onto something here. Hey, church, how do you know I'm telling you the truth? You need to go home and search these things for yourselves. Just don't, just don't take some pastor, some guy you watch on TV or whose book you buy or who you listen to on KJIL. Listen, don't just, just don't assume that they're telling you the truth. Well, preacher, how do I know? You take this book and you lay it alongside what's being said or what you're reading and see whether or not those things are so. And if it doesn't measure up to this book, then they're wrong and this book is right. And by the way, that includes me. That includes me. If what I say doesn't, doesn't measure up to this book, listen, this book is the plumb line of truth. And we ought to take any teaching we read or any teaching we hear and line it up, use this as a plumb bob, line it up, and if it's somehow out of whack with this book, then you know that you need to just chunk this and stay with this blessed book because it's true. It's real. The Bereans examined the word carefully. And if you do that, church, you know what that's going to do? That's going to put you in the Word every day, like it ought to. They studied it daily. How might you, a little practical here tonight, how might you, first of all as a believer, secondly as a member of Fellowship Baptist Church, how might you study the Word on a more frequent basis, even daily? Well, I got a couple of practical suggestions for you. Number one, get involved in a fellowship Bible class. We meet every Sunday morning at 945. We've got, a, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Got one for college students. Eight different Fellowship Bible classes, got 
classes for youth and children. If you want to learn to study the Bible, if you want to study the Bible with, with other believers, show up at 945. Get in on the discussion. Learn about what the Bible has to say. Attend, listen, attend church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. If you availed yourself of every teaching opportunity that was presented to you last week at this church, I'm talking primarily as adults, here's what you would have had the opportunity to learn. You would have learned the truth about lying. You would have learned that you don't have to fear what God asked you to do. You would have learned how we can turn our city right side up. You would have learned what spiritual male leadership looks like. And you would have learned how rejoicing in God's mercy and forgiveness of our past can help us deal with anxiety. And already today, you've had the opportunity to learn what the Bible says about gossip and how you don't have to fear what people think about you. And if you avail yourself of the learning opportunities this coming week, here's a few things that you're going to learn. You're going to learn God's plan for leadership in the church. You're going to learn how anxiety is needless because the Lord is near. You're going to learn how you don't have to fear about uh, 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 where you stand with God. It pretty sound like this church is about the Bible. Yeah, we're all about it. We're all about it. But listen, listen, even if you avail yourself of every opportunity that is presented here, that only covers Sunday and Wednesday. There's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Well, preacher, what do I do on those days? You feed yourself. You get into this book on your own. You and Jesus, you and the Holy Spirit. Listen, we ought to spend some, I'm not going to give you a, 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 an amount of time, but we ought to spend some time in the Bible every day. Every day. Listen, I get that we live in a, in a different day and age, a different culture than the Bereans. I get that. I understand it. We don't have hours a day like those believers in China. We, we don't have that kind of time to study the Scriptures. I understand that. I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm realistic enough to, to understand that. But listen, church, some people don't even give it a minute during the day, let alone hours. Listen, we can't be a Berean that way. They search the scriptures daily. For those who do have a, a bit more time to study, I would, I'd encourage you to get some things if you don't have them already. Number one, get you a good Bible concordance, like a Strong's concordance. Get you a good Bible dictionary, maybe like Smith's Bible dictionary. Get you a, a, a couple of good commentaries. Myself, Brother Tyler, we could, we could help you with that if you need some help with that. But get you some resources. If you want to sit down and study the words, well, preacher, how did you know all that stuff about them words and all that stuff? Books. Reading, studying, learning. 
But the point is tonight, get into the book. Ah, oh, but listen to me. Not just that, but let this book get into you. Mm-hmm. Feel Brother John Bach coming on. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between getting into this book and letting this book get into you. The Bereans received the word readily. They examined the word completely. They studied the word daily. And because they let the word get into them, they applied the word personally. And I don't see any way in the world how I could even begin to talk about that without asking you to join me in the book of James, chapter 1. Turn over there real quick. When you get there, say amen. When you get to James chapter 1, say amen. All right. There's a few, few of you haven't got there yet. I'll wait. Say amen. Some of you look at me like, big Bible, big Christian. Little Bible. Little Christian. No Bible? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Look at, look at what James said. We're talking about how they applied the word personally. Look what James said, church. Verse, verse 21. Verse 22. But be ye, what's that word? Mm, doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. I've asked you this before. I'll, 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 you don't have to show me tonight. How do you ladies... How many of you ladies have a mirror in your purse? There's a reason. There's a reason that James didn't say, you're like a woman who beholdeth her face in a glass. Because here's what she does. Seriously, this is one ugly mug, dude. Have you ever known a woman just a glance in a mirror? Uh, no. They stare into the mirror. What do men do? Yeah, good. We look like trash, but we're good. That's why James, that's why James used the, the, a man there for if he be a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like unto a man who beholdeth his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth on his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I, listen, I'm not so naive as to think that some of you, by the time you get to Pizza Hut tonight, you're going to forget what I preached on. I wish that wasn't the case, 
but it's probably going to be the case. Before you go to sleep tonight, if your wife said, honey, what did the preacher preach on tonight? I don't know, but he was funny in some of them places. <laughs> he talked about how ugly he was, how he had big ears. You know what, honey? He's right. <laughs> Please don't have that conversation. Listen, come on, let's be honest tonight. Sometimes that happens because we didn't come eager. We didn't come ready. We were just kind of like, we, yeah, okay, whatever. James says, don't be that way. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, and continueth therein. The Bereans applied the word of God personally. James said, anybody who looks in this book and, and they continue in, in what, they, what they learn and what they read and what they study, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man, this man, James said, shall be blessed indeed. I'm not a health and wealth guy. I'm not a blab it and grab it guy. I'm not a name and claim it preacher. But I tell you this, I can tell you how to be blessed. Practice what you read in that book. That's what James just said. If you'll hear it, and if you will stay in it, and if you will devote yourself to it continually, he said, this is the man that's going to be blessed indeed. We must make application of what we hear in the Word for it to be of any use to us. I told you this morning, that's where the preacher always gets in trouble. People don't mind if, if, if I give an interpretation of the scriptures. They don't mind if I give an explanation of the scriptures. And they would love it if we could just stop there and go home. But it's when the preacher starts making application of the scriptures. That's where we get in trouble. They will preach, why don't you just leave it at explanation and let us make our own application? Because I've sat where you sat, and you won't do it any more than I do it. So we have to help sometimes. Got to help you make some practical application of the word. I'm done. And all God's people said. <laughs>